Hey guys, this is Mark from Freedom Holdings. We are going to talk a little bit about today is uh, buy and hold strategies. So, you know, with the advent of a lot of stuff that's going on in the internet, there's a lot more strategies here than were, say, even five years ago. So, um, a traditional buy and hold is where somebody buys a rental property and they collect the rents. So typically they're trying to get, you know, more for their property than what they're paying and enough to cover the maintenance that they will need to pay for on that property over time. So they need to make enough money to pay for the upcoming maintenance that they're going to have on this house. And they're also going to need to want to make enough to have a profit. I mean, the whole reason that you do a buy and hold typically is so that you have some passive income some what pe- some people call mailbox money, money that you don't have to. Now, in my opinion, there's no such thing as totally passive income. You got to do something like at the very minimum, you've got to kind of reassess it every year to make sure that it's working for you. That you maybe you could be using your money somewhere else more efficiently. So anyway, but this is the traditional buy and hold strategy. Some of the uh, let's go through some of. Uh, some of the other options that you have when you purchase a house is you can purchase a house and you can do what's called a lease option. Typically after, you know, the financial crisis, uh, from my limited understanding, you should have two separate documents for a lease option. You should have the lease and then you should have the option and these should definitely be separate under most circumstances and always, always go to your tax, not your tax, your your real estate lawyer when you're having these documents drafted because he's the one that's going to protect you and, uh, you know, you're not going to want to make some stupid mistake that either breaks the law or gets you in trouble and thrown in jail. We're not here to teach you anything that's unethical or will get you thrown in jail. So lease option, this is usually where you're collecting a fee, an option fee to purchase the house at some future date. And um, then you have the traditional lease. And so they're leasing your house. And typically, most of the time, the strategies that I hear, they're leasing the house for even more than what a traditional lease would be. Because a lot of times, this strategy is being utilized in somebody whose credit may not be 100%, might not might not be able to get a traditional bank loan and so you know you're going to vet them and and put some processes in place to where you are not getting people that never pay any of their um, credit obligations but you might find somebody who's had some sort of medical illness their credit has taken a temporary ding you know it depends on the circumstances so if you can find somebody who needs a house who won't be able to get a bank loan, who won't be able to finance it and take it from you, buy it from you, then a lot of times the lease option is a very good option. You can get somebody into the house because now, and it's, this strategy works best if you buy the house outright. Um, but you, you know, because in the case of you owning the house outright, then if you lease option, you get to be the bank and you decide who gets in your house and who doesn't. Or, one of the strategies, I don't know if we spoke about this in, we spoke very briefly when we are talking about wholesaling subject to, uh, if you have a subject to, once again, you can become the bank. 
uh, anytime actually you own the house, you can be the, become the bank, and then you are collecting more than what is being paid out for the uh, property. You know, there's one caveat here for sure is if those people stop paying, then you have to evict them. It's going to take a little bit of time to find the next person to buy this house. And you may be responsible for the payments without getting the income. But with a lease option, they pay the option up front. And typically, you're collecting quite a significant sum for this. And typically, you're going to set the price of the house a little higher than what you think it will be in the future. Now, you can't get too crazy with this because you could um, draw the interest of some of the federal the federal uh, investigators, the people that have oversight ever since the Dodd-Frank Act. You're going to be need to be careful about this, although um, Dodd-Frank is losing some of its teeth with, you know, some of the stuff that's going on in Congress right now. But you always want to be careful and not go too crazy. You're not going to be charging somebody um, $2,000 for a house that normally rents for $950 in your market because then you're going to attract the attention of some people that you don't want to talk to. So anyway, typically there's a little bit of a premium for somebody who is getting a house on a lease option. Um, and you get to collect the option fee up front. So this is one strategy. We're not going to go too deep here into all the strategies, but we're going to give like a brief overview of some of the buy and hold strategies. There's also selling a house um, deed for... Uh, what's that called? It's uh, contract for deed is what a lot of people will call this. And what they're doing is they're taking the deed. Now, in this one, you have to have, I believe you have to have um, the, I have not used this particular the strategy, but when you're selling a house this way, once again, this is, I call it um, buy and hold. Maybe that's a little bit of a misnomer. A lot of times you're doing a lease and, you know, these are kind of short-term holds, the first couple that I'm talking about. The lease option and the contract for deed are a little bit shorter, you know, buy and hold. The tr traditional buy and hold is typically a longer-term hold. So you're going to um, buy a house, rent it out, and keep that indefinitely until either the market gets much higher or... You know, at which point it might might make more sense for you to sell the property and cash out, or you know, like I said, it can be an indefinite strategy. Some of the others, like the lease option, might be a shorter term strategy, but a lot of times, if you, especially if you're giving it to somebody whose credit isn't 100% because they can't finance for the bank, then it's going to take a little bit of time for them to build up their credit. So you might also, when you're doing this, assist them with that. Um, you know, maybe build into the payment something uh, around a credit repair and make sure that you get legitimate credit repair because there can be a lot of shenanigans. This is a highly regulated industry because in the past, credit repair, you know, was not the most legitimate business that there was out there. So because of some of those abuses, credit repair is much higher regulated. So 
just make sure that you're working with a company that does things above board and follows all the rules. Um, also, we were talking about contractor for deed. So now we're talking about contract for deed. And what happens in a contract for deed is you're putting the deed into escrow. And when the people finish paying you for the house, then you transfer that deed into their name. So that's the basics behind a contract for deed. Once again, you might be able to get a little bit more money uh, for a contract for deed than a regular house sale because typically these people, once again, this strategy a lot of times is used because people might have a ding in their credit, might not be able to get a traditional loan to cash out the house. Might be one reason that you use this strategy. So once again, you're willing to take on a little bit more risk than the bank, but I wouldn't go crazy. Once again, you need to make sure that it's somebody that has never paid. It's not somebody who's never paid any of their financial obligations. It's somebody that's taken like a one-time hit to their credit for something that life threw at them that was, you know, very difficult to get over, but not something that is a lifelong uh, habit for these people. Um, another long-term a little bit probably long-term is vacation rental renting a house so especially if you're in a high demand area if you have purchased a house then you can um, vacation rental that house so here in Phoenix this works well but the caviar in Phoenix is you're typically gonna get higher rents in the wintertime than you are the summertime so you got to be prepared for that. You're going to have some fluctuation in what you can get at certain times of year, depending on where you live, possibly. But a lot of times you're bringing in more money than you would with traditional rent because, let's say, the house in your area typically rents for $1,000 a month. A lot of times, because you're charging on a daily basis, you're going to be able to, if you're running it, have a good operation you're going to be able to bring in much more than that thousand dollars a month as a vacation rental um, there's some other strategies along these lines where you can repurpose we'll call it repurposing the house so once again kind of like vacation rentaling you can repurpose your house so that it has a different purpose um, there's a lot of municipalities that will pay for different levels of assisted living homes so you might start a house where now you're being able to charge the city or whatever governing body that is paying for it some money to house people that are harder to house so maybe these people are have some sort of disability and like I said it it gets into different levels sometimes there's people that live in houses that you can get more money from because they are more vulnerable. So you got to look into your municipality, see what those different levels are, see what kind of money the, those, but a lot of times in a place like this, you're going to have to have staff. You're also going to have to have, sometimes you have to provide the food for the people. So you got to be, know all the rules and regulations with this particular strategy there's also the strategy maybe of um, sober living homes these have generated a lot of money for some people and these are houses where more than one person live in the same house they have a common goal 
they're typically away from their house for you know 90 days or more trying to practice being sober and uh, so they're sober living homes and these can generate more income than a regular typically they're paid weekly and in cash by the people that are staying there so <clears throat> just some of these ideas are here to help you start thinking about different ways that you might be able to buy a property and make it work for you. Um, so basically, we're going to call this one the first part of buy and hold. We'll research some more areas that maybe you can buy a property and uh, generate some income for yourself. All right, guys, you have a great one. Remember, we're on Facebook at Freedom Holdings. We would love to hear your questions. Send those in, and we would love to talk about what you want us to talk about. All right, you guys, have a great one. Bye.